0: Welcome back to another episode of the Agnes London podcast. Before we begin, I wanted to take a moment to tell you about my next event. On Wednesday, the 20th of November, at Environmentally Friendly Members Club in London, Arboretum. The aim of the event is to rethink the way we celebrate the festive season to make it a little bit more sustainable. During the event, we will have talks on gifting, food and fashion, as well as zero-waste beauty demos. Alongside the talks, there will also be a market of carefully curated brands. You can find out more about the event by heading to the events page on my website at wwagnesundon.com. This week's guest is Victoria, co-founder of Her. Her has been dubbed the Airbnb of fashion by Forbes. And in this week's episode, we discuss how to monetize your wardrobe, Victoria's experience of building a tech business, and of course, sustainable fashion. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on the podcast, Victoria. It's great to finally meet you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So could you tell us a little bit more about her and what her aims to do? course. Cool. So I uh,
1: left my corporate job just uh, well, close to two years ago now um, because I'd watched the massive rise of the sharing economy and basically wanted to build a, a disruptive tech company um, and, and be part of that kind of massive boom in in sharing. Um, we've seen obviously Airbnb and Uber to completely disrupt, you know, house sharing and car sharing. Uh, so we came up with her on the fact that we wanted to be in the sharing economy space, but um, we looked pretty closely at fashion and we thought, <laughs> as one of the world's most polluting industries, um, there must be a better way to do fashion. Uh, so that was nearly two years ago now. Um, and her is essentially the Airbnb for fashion. So we are building a marketplace where women can uh, rent and lend their wardrobes securely, uh, completely seamlessly, um, and also in seconds. Um, and since we launched, um, well, nearly a year and a half ago, um, we've built a waiting list of close to 10,000 people. Um, and we've we've had... Um, Great success, I'd say, in, in pretty early days of a startup. But there's still a lot of work to be done.
0: Yeah, I feel like I've seen her everywhere, and you've been dubbed the new uh, the Airbnb of fashion. Yes,
1: yeah, right? by Forbes. So we we're very happy when that that went out, um, because that's really our aim and um, our focus is very much on the tech side of things. And um, we hope to our users that it looks and feels beautifully curated and like e-commerce but what mm-hmm. underlies her is is quite a clever um disrupted tech company um which is what our, our main focus is in the office
0: yeah great so there are a few other like clothing rental platforms around what do you think makes her different is that because of like the emphasis on the tech side of things or like the the website, like the website, looks beautiful. Like, what do you think makes it different?
1: Yes, definitely. i Our focus on tech. Um, we we're definitely a tech-first company, and I think that massively differentiates us. And <laughs> um, we're also we're also a peer-to-peer marketplace, and a lot of rental companies. So, if you look at Rent the Runway, who who are the biggest rental player in 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 the US, um, they're now valued at over a billion dollars, and they have I think eleven million users all throughout the states. Wow. Um, but they have a slightly different model to us, um, where they hold stock and they buy. Mm-hmm. Stock and then they rent it to the consumer, whereas we're completely peer-to-peer. So exactly in the same way that Airbnb don't hold flats or houses, we don't hold the stock. Um, We just facilitate the transaction in a safe way between a lender and a renter.
0: Yeah. Was it difficult to get started then because um, you obviously didn't have that stock to initially get started with? Did you have to like contact all your friends and family like send me your best dresses yeah it's
1: a great question and um, the the most important thing when you're building a peer-to-peer marketplace is building stock and it's something that we've worked really hard on for the last year and um, we've built now um, a couple of thousand items which is gr- really great but definitely in the early stages it's kind of chicken and egg in the same way that Airbnb had the same problems and, uh, and Uber um, so it started with us reaching out to people um, and now we have kind of a couple of hundred items being listed a day so things are really really growing.
0: Oh, wow! And so if someone wants to list an item what's the process for them?
1: So listing uh, is a really really simple process. Exactly the same as if you were listing uh, something on Depop or eBay, it works exactly the same. You upload photos of the items, description, set the rental price and location, um, and it's as simple as that. We do review every listing, just to make sure that it's mm-hmm. up to up to scratch in terms of condition because we want our renters to receive things that are obviously in a great condition.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it's really easy. You can tran- you can upload and you can transact in in ninety seconds.
0: So do you think having that like rental and that peer-to-peer rental really helps build community within the platform?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, A huge part of everything we do is is centred around our community and and getting as much feedback from our early adopters as as we can. Um, What we're driving and what we're building is is mainly through feedback from what our users are looking for and what they want. Um, And our pop-up, which we're launching this week, which I'm sure we'll talk about, um, is a really great challenge chance for us to build our online community offline Um, and we do hold monthly member meetups where our members uh, meet up and and chat and get their wardrobe photographed Um, so it's a huge part of what we're doing because um, our whole community is is very obviously tapped into sustainability they're very like-minded and also forward-thinking in terms of of what we're building and hoping to build
0: Yeah, definitely. I definitely think having it peer-to-peer makes it much more sustainable than, like, you just holding stock Mm -hmm. as well because it's items that aren't otherwise being used and especially the kind of items you have, they're quite, like events pieces and mm-hmm. one-off pieces aren't mm-hmm.
1: they yeah so we have a great selection of kind of trend-led pieces that are sold out everywhere online through to uh, vintage is a big part of our business and also like you say one-offs um that you can't can only get your hands on you know through her and um, we also have lots of sustainable brands as well like reformation and mother of pearl um, where it's a bit of a double hit of you being able to rent a sustainable brand which is a really nice um angle um so yeah definitely
0: Do you find that um, sizing is quite difficult to get right? Because obviously um, a lot of pieces that come from like celebrities or influencers will be sample size um, and aren't that kind of inclusive to everyone how do you kind of tackle that and make sure you have a really good range of sizing
1: yeah so we've been pretty proactive on our stance on on sizing and um, i think it's easier to get right on a peer-to-peer basis than it is on a buying stock basis mm-hmm. luckily we don't have those problems um ultimately we don't control the stock that comes in but we've been pretty proactive um we have a number of um quite high profile curvy models that use our platform that rent and lend their wardrobes um and and already we we're obviously looking at, at the data all the time, and we we have been able to fill out every single size. And it's not just diversity in size; it's style, and you know, dresses and shoes and jackets and tops. There's a lot of diver- you know diversity across every single vertical for us. Um, it takes time to build, mm-hmm. um, but but I think we're making a good job, and um, well, we're, we're we're not doing too badly. And because we're now at, at, at a massive of getting a couple of hundred of items listed a day. Um, it, we're obviously, you know, getting getting more of a spread in terms of the items as well.
0: Yeah, um, what happens if someone rents an item off you and it doesn't fit? in terms of like cost wise can they send it back so they get charged the full amount if they haven't like worn it to the event they were going to wear it to yeah
1: great question as well one of our most asked questions um, so we have a 100% fit guarantee which means that if you rented something and it didn't fit um, as long as you logged that within the first 24 hours um, you would receive the rental price back <laughs> just less the dry cleaning and delivery fee that, that we can't control so um, you get the rental price back if it doesn't fit um, so that you're underwritten from that aspect, um, but we find that a lot of our users talk a lot before they put through transactions so a bit like on airbnb you might have a question for the host on whatever it is and um, we see a huge amount of our, our our lenders and renters really talking to each other to, to ask any questions that they have on size and fit and then we also have when you upload an item a whole box for size and fit so you can write in you know this comes up small this could fit a 14 to 16 this is one size and um, so actually we have a pretty low return rate on that yeah. with that respect
0: That's good. So that leads me to my next question. I was wondering from like a personal point of view, the kind of thing that would put me off advertising, like even advertising my home, advertising my clothing would be trust, Mm -hmm. trusting that someone else is going to look after it as well as I would. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you find that's an issue or do you think that kind of being able to talk to people on the platform helps with that?
1: Absolutely. When we co-founded the company two years ago, our view was that that we need to make sure her is the safest and most secure way to rent and lend your wardrobes. Um, so everyone on our platform has been vetted um, and verified, and we basically profile our users with a trust score. So anyone that is on her has a trust score over a certain level that we are comfortable with to let mm-hmm. them re- lend and rent. So we have basically spent two years making sure that it is as safe and secure as it possibly ever could be. Um, we have ID verification, we have secure messaging systems, we have security deposit features um, and, and I think it comes down largely to the community piece as well um, and you as Sophie having your profile on her, you have the items you're lending and you also rent and we're, we're doing a good job of building a community of people that, that understand that this is someone else's item um, and that they should love it and treat it as if it was their own um, so our whole ethos is treat it as if it was your own um, and yeah. we're here when when accidents happen um, and we obviously have a zero tolerance policy to to theft or damage beyond repair um, so everything we have done on trust and security and um, we've done everything we possibly can um, on that piece mm. and we obviously sit above the platform to, to, to step in if things do go wrong
0: yeah um... So, it's a bit like rating your Uber driver then? Absolutely, yeah.
1: we have. Um, so, it's peer reviews, exactly. So, uh, you know, on, on Airbnb, you get your super host um, you know, badge. We have something very similar. Um, Everything one's peer reviewed. And if they were below a certain rating, they would be taken off our platform. Um, and it's a really great chance for people to build up their profile and, and their trust profile on her as well. So, it would say, Sophie, here are your top five reviews. And it works exactly like Uber as well.
0: Mm was that the reason for the waiting list as well to give you a chance to review everyone?
1: Yeah, definitely. So trust and security was just something I was never willing to compromise on and it yeah, takes sure. some time to to verify everyone, which is why we've operated on a waiting list system up until now. Um, and Making sure that 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 is um, you know safe and secure is number one, and number two has been building our supply. Um, so what we've been doing over the last year is is really focusing on on our supply um, with a view to um, now everyone and anyone can sign up to her.
0: Right. So does her just operate within London, or do pieces get sent all around? the UK or all around the world
1: yeah so we um, are UK based and we <laughs> now have users all across the UK so we're, we're not just London centric and um, we have a courier service um, uh, pedals uh, where Couriers cycle on, on bikes across central London. But other than that, which is London centric, um, our platform is fully scalable. Um, we have huge communities now outside London. Um, my view is that if the, my perfect dress is in, is in Newcastle or Bristol, I should be able to get that. Um, and the vast majority uh, of rentals go through the post anyway. So there's no limit in terms of scale um, on us UK wide. And we've had quite considerable demand coming from, well, A, internationally and also key European cities of people signing up saying please can you launch here please can you launch here (laughs) so we're looking at our next steps pretty closely in terms of where where to where to grow to next
0: yeah great did it do you find that most of it comes from london or do you think that a lot of it comes from or is it outside london
1: um yeah it's actually not not london centric we we launch kind of A bit more central London um, in terms of our user base, but not anymore. Um, We now have thousands and thousands of users all throughout the UK. So I wouldn't say now it was geared just towards London. The only thing that's just London is our courier service.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the meetups, are they London-based? Will you be doing them in other key cities? So
1: we've been trialling our meetups. It's a great chance, obviously, for our communities to come together, but also for us to, to get as much research out of what people are looking for and what we can be doing differently, etc. cetera. Um, so we've been doing them mainly in London, and now we're going to look at, at um, kind of growing that outside London. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been doing a lot of kind of focus groups and market research, obviously, on our community all across the UK. But now we want to bring that as a, as a concept, definitely, definitely, to, to London. Larger communities um, outside of London.
0: Yeah. So, with all your research that you've done with your early adopters um, and your community, what do you find is the um, like the biggest barriers for people for renting clothing?
1: Renting or or lending? So Um, either. Either. Good question. And I think it comes down to uh, the behavioural shift in the US and um, people have been renting clothes for, for close to ten years. This is really not a new concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and people get that, you know, it's sustainable, it's a clever way to shop, you can save money. They get the education piece behind why people rent. And I think the UK is just slightly slower to adopt that. So I'd say our, our biggest barrier is more of a, a market problem in terms of people aren't aware of the benefits of renting. Um, so what we're doing at the moment is a lot of kind of education around you know why you should rent and why you should lend and, and the positives of doing so um, and I think that takes time um, to build that education but I'd say at the moment it's just a, a bit of a barrier in terms of the, the UK mindset generally um, which is changing and even in the time that we've been up and running it's changed absolutely dramatically mm-hmm. um, but there's obviously definitely more to be done
0: yeah great and so you're running your pop-up in London was that running all the way up till Christmas
1: Yeah, so very excitingly, we are launching the UK's first fashion rental pop-up from the beginning, well, end of October, beginning of November, and we're running it for five weeks in the lead up to Christmas. Um, And we have basically collated all of our top rented pieces into a beautiful showroom and anyone can pop in and rent an item for two days, seven days, or two days, four days or seven days. Um, So it's a great chance for us to meet our community and also for people to try items on and meet other people from the her community come to our events we've got 30 events running in the next 35 days so it's a busy time um but we're really putting our community first in terms of the events that we're that we are running through it
0: yeah cool i'm looking forward to coming to some of the events
1: looking forward to seeing them
0: (laughs) do you have fitting rooms in your store
1: Uh, yes we do we've got three
0: yeah when I was looking up about you guys, um, I was pleased to see that you've partnered with Blanc, the um, natural dry cleaners, mm-hmm. to look after the rental clothing, so which obviously goes back into the whole sustainable aspect of it. Do, so after every item has been lent out, does it go to the dry cleaners?
1: So dry cleaning, if you listed your item on her tomorrow and you pull up your dress, say, um, it's your responsibility to dry clean it. Um, we've tested this lots of different ways and, and um, come to the conclusion that if you own the item, you would prefer to dry clean it mm-hmm. yourself. Um, so what we have done is partnered with Blanc, who are the only eco-friendly dry cleaners in London, where um, we incentivize our users to use their services. Um, I think dry cleaning is an industry that no one really knows how, how damaging it yeah. is still, I think that there's a lot of work that needs to be done about mm-hmm. people have no idea actually the chemicals that go into dry cleaning processes um so the question the answer is um dry cleaning ultimately is up to our users but what we have tried to do is incentivize them to use eco-friendly options Mm -hmm. um, and they have discount codes for doing so and Blanc have now five or six stores across London and where you can drop off your pieces and if you haven't been to a Blanc store they have completely reimagined the dry cleaning experience it's absolutely phenomenal
0: yeah yeah, I had um, the co-founder on the podcast as well, and I was shocked at the stuff she was telling me about normal dry cleaners. I know. Yeah, it's, as,
1: it's a crazy industry. That I think is. there's going to be much more awareness around in the next year or so about about where what happens to the clothes when you drop them behind the dry cleaners.
0: Yeah, it's scary. As well as clothing, you also have um, jewelry rental mm-hmm. as well. How do you ensure like hygiene and things like earrings and things like that?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it, a massive part of our business is jewellery. I mm-hmm. think that statement jewellery can be really expensive. And sometimes people want, um, you know, a pair of earrings to match an outfit. And we see already people renting a dress and the earrings and the, the bag, say from the same person. Um, yeah obviously it's peer-to-peer so we don't control that but we're pretty clear in terms of how things should be presented everything's even either dry cleaned and for earrings and um, a lot of our users include little isoprol drip, uh, wipes which may completely disinfect them and make them safe to basically put in your ears yeah um, it's between our users but we've been pretty clear as to how that should that should work um, and actually accessories is a massive part of our business from kind of bags through to uh, clip-on earrings through to uh, statement necklaces and and rings so so it's something we're actually looking to grow uh, much more because we found the accessory rentals working really well
0: yeah and I guess that can really like if people have got like a black dress say for example that can really like add Change to an outfit, outfit can't you? exactly yeah. definitely. so you can end up wearing the same one again and again um so I just wanted to go back to the beginning and um you put a lot of emphasis on the tech side of her is your background in tech Or was it in fashion or where did that come from?
1: So... A few years ago now, when I was an undergrad, um, I, st- I co-founded a tech company um, that ended up doing really well. Um, so I definitely, even as an undergrad, um, had that entrepreneurial seed uh, planted, and I knew I always wanted to run my own company. Um, I then went on to do a master's um, in real estate and to train up in real estate for nearly three and a half years. Um, I qualified as a charter surveyor and thought, okay, I've got, got a good professional qualification to fall back on, just so case I ever need to pivot back mm-hmm. to back to the professional industry um, but the moment I qualified I decided that now was the chance to to um, launch her um, I'd done enough research at that stage that I was convinced we were onto a good idea um, way before sustainable fashion was even a thing shall we yeah. say um, or anyone was talking about sustainability or rental in the UK um, so I had a, a a professional career I come from a professional background um, but had definitely had a a taste of the entrepreneurial world and um, I wanted to be back back in it.
0: Okay so a lot of people that come on my podcast that started a business um, talk about a test they did when they first started to check whether the business idea that they had would work Mm. did you do anything like that with her
1: Mm. so for our first year of operating we operated in beta testing which is basically a kind of closed network of people testing all of your assumptions Um, and I tell everyone uh, who has a good idea that I speak to these days that until you've tested it and someone's parted with money on your idea it's not a business or it's not like you've got to prove that it's going to work and that was a huge part of of what, what we tried to do and even on a small number of people, you know, 10, 50, 100, a couple of hundred, small numbers um, that are parting with money and loving your service is the most important thing that you can get right as an early stage business. And I think it gives you as, as the entrepreneur um, or the startup founder a bit of comfort um, that you're onto something if people are actually parting with money because it's easy to sell an idea and have all of your friends tell you that you've got a great idea, mm-hmm. but it's not until someone actually puts their credit card in, Details in and pays for the service that's when you've got a business
0: yeah sure so um small businesses like obviously you can tell your friends you can tell your family about it but they they want to support you anyway because they're your friends that your family so what advice do you have for small business owners that want to test their idea but want to reach other people that aren't in their like immediate network and
1: mm-hmm. um, I think it's a great question I think um, Facebook groups do really really well and um, particularly in this kind of sustainable fashion space and um, Venetia Falconer runs a closed uh, slow fashion network um, on Facebook there's probably no more sing- you know, single tapped uh, sustainability community online um, and people are really willing to help out knowing that it's for the greater good, or that they get something out of it. I think if you can incentivise people in some ways, and um, for example, we did free postage and dry cleaning, mm-hmm. um, so that it wasn't just a full cost um, to the users, and that they got something back. Um, and we find that, but well, I think it's a matter of reaching out. There's no there's no shortcut to finding a hundred people to test your product. Um, but I think Facebook is a great place to start in terms of incentivising people and, and finding people. There are great communities already out there that exist, and whatever you are trying to build it's finding them and converting them and getting them excited about an idea that's the hardest bit I think
0: yeah yeah definitely yeah Facebook is a great good tool because there's normally like already a group set up for whatever kind of network you want to tap into and they
1: scale really quickly it's so easy to invite you know your 500 more friends into a group and so I think that seems to be a great place to start
0: yeah do you have any other advice for entrepreneurs with an idea
1: uh, definitely it's a very broad testing, question. and <laughs> um, testing your idea I think is 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 key. Um I think what I've seen in in a lot of female entrepreneurs that I have kind of been helping or supporting or mentoring um, is is confidence people uh, always think that I think it's very female that people think that they have to wait until the time is right for an idea and I think actually if you wait there's never going to be a good time yeah you have to launch into it if you think that you've got a good idea even if you've tested it on a couple of people And they love it, the chances are more people will love it. And taking that leap of faith and not waiting until everything is perfect is 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 really key. And I see lots of people who who want to launch in six months because um, you know, that's when the time will be right and their packaging will be perfect. It's never gonna be perfect, and it's something I really struggled with because I wanted to launch a perfect platform, and two years later we're still far away from a perfect platform, but getting going, I think, is the hardest bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely having the confidence to get going. I'm very much one of those people that will jump and then sort it out later, but I know not a lot of people are like that. But I always think you can always polish it once you've launched. Yeah, once you put it out there. So following on from that, what were the challenges you noticed with launching this platform?
1: So definitely our emphasis on tech, um, it, it's incredibly complex. <laughs> our platform is incredibly complex and took over a year for us to build. Um, my co-founder and I built it, um, and it's not an easy thing to do. Um, it was something I didn't have much experience in. We were very self-taught um, from, a, from a technology point of view, so that was a massive learning curve for us. Um, this is only the second tech company I founded, so you know I'm still learning all day, every day on how to manage a team and how to manage you know, a community community of thousands and thousands of people um, but i think actually learning learning on the job is a huge a huge part of this and um, so i'd say the number one barrier or the problem i had was was the vast scope of what we what we were building and then i think coming back to the education piece as well um, when we launched this people weren't that engaged with the sustainability as a concept yeah. um, and for us there was quite an interesting pivotal moment where everyone suddenly started being interested in in you know fast fashion oh god Um, wait who's making that dress I buy in Zara Um, and it was when the Stacey Dooley documentary came out on BBC um, that I I think was the moment where sustainable fashion or you know the fast fashion epidemic shall we call it really came into the spotlight in terms Mm -hmm. of the mass mainstream audience being much more interested in conscious consumerism in resale and renting in all of the alternatives Um, so I think coming back to the education point that's been the biggest barrier and things are changing and things are turning really really quickly but um, there's still a lot of education to be done
0: yeah yeah definitely notice like a kind of surge in interest with the Stacey Dooley documentary. Definitely. But it wasn't like there was nothing out there already like there was the like the True Cost is a really good documentary on fashion and that's been out a long time now.
1: Yeah but I think the problem was you had to really search for it. Yeah. Um, you had to search for you know what is the impact of fast fashion that's to, to your average you know busy consumer living her life. Or you don't want life. To know. <laughs> you, you, you just don't know. It's not yeah. until it's put on your yeah, in front of your face on BBC or in front of you on the newspaper or in front of you on whatever news article you're reading that I think you really engage in it Um, and finally we're now at a time where as we've seen fast fashion is on the front of every newspaper
0: Mm, yeah definitely so tech companies are definitely on the rise and um, platforms like yours definitely seem to be um, popping up all over the place and the way forward What would you say, um, like, what advice would you give to someone that has no background in tech or like yourself, wants to learn more about tech? And obviously, like being a small business and doing a startup, like a lot of things you need to do yourself just to, like, save, keep costs down, um, you know, to to begin with. So what advice would you give people?
1: I think it's coming back to my community point. There are loads of great communities out there. There's Girls in Tech. There are lots of communities of people trying to get into tech or um, learn about it, or also partner up with people. I'm very grateful that my co-founder was from a tech, what well, is from a technical background. Mm-hmm. It's been a huge help for us in terms of building from line one of code. Um, I'm definitely not a coder. I've, I've really focused on the UX, UI, and product side of things, um, and, and taught myself everything in, in that respect. Um, but I think you've got to work out what your strengths are I thought at the beginning of this how hard can it be, I'll teach myself to code and after a few uh, lessons online I, I, I thought actually I, I know what my skill sets are and this is not not one of them, um, so I think it's working out what you're good at as, a, as an entrepreneur or as a founder and partnering up with someone who doesn't have that skill set um, so that you can actually use your time most efficiently because if I was building this myself her her would be about 10 years away I'm sure <laughs>
0: Did you two know each other before you started working together?
1: Yes, we did. Um, We were actually family friends, Um, so um, we've known each other for a long time. um, And I managed to persuade Matt um, to leave his PhD that he was studying on to help me set it up. Um, And we work really, really well. We're completely polar opposites um, and have lots of kind of complementary skill sets, which I think is is absolutely crucial when you're when you're trying to run a business. You, You don't want two people that that are good at the same things. You want someone. Who's good at all the things that you're not?
0: Yeah, definitely. You want to be able to balance each other out. Yeah. So what um have been the most rewarding parts of running her? What have been like the highlights over the last two years?
1: I think how quickly it's actually been to see a huge spike in what we're building and to build for us, we've built now a waiting list of over 10,000 people, completely organically, zero spend. It proves that there are out there people out there that are really excited about what what we're building, um, which gives me kind of great comfort, you know, from being in a basement coding this and and building it to actually having something that's tangible and people are using. It's what you always hope would happen, and you hope that one day your idea is going to take off. And here we we are, and I feel really fortunate that we've had amazing press coverage um, mm. we've been on BBC News and Sky News we had over 100 million hits on our Sky News links so it's great to kind of get the message out there to a wider community I think um, and kind of be credible from a business point of view and a fashion point of view um, I think things have taken off and I've been overwhelmed actually at how uh, how much success we've had in the early stages. It's definitely not a finished product. There's a lot more to do. It's not all glossy and glamorous at all. Um, but the most exciting thing is, is that we are building something that people want. And mm. as an entrepreneur, I guess that's what, what the game's about.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, congratulations. It has done really well. I feel like I see you guys everywhere at the moment. There's always like another article or something like that. That's great. I'm glad (laughs) to hear it. So um, obviously two years is still quite a very young business. So I was wondering what the plans are for the future or what the kind of hopes and dreams are.
1: Yeah, there's a lot going on at the moment. Um, so we're really going to drive things from from a tech point of view, continue. We've got a lot of kind of features that we're building at the moment that we're going to be pushing live. We're obviously running our first pop-up, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes down, what the kind of response is. Um, but in terms of the business, really building our communities outside of, of London, throughout the UK, is definitely a focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are also obviously looking at international opportunities. And um, we've built her to scale and to, and to be... a a worldwide player so um we're looking pretty closely at at where we should launch next
0: yeah great i think that's definitely really good that you're looking like outside of london i feel like a lot of things can be a bit too like london focused definitely i think
1: with fashion it it tends to be for for the london elite shall we say and actually for us it's so important that anyone and everyone can sign up and be part of it Um, sustainable fashion is only going to work if the, the the masses can get involved in it. So it's really important for me to build a build a company. Like I said, my background's not fashion. Um, we want your everyday girl, uh, woman, shall we say, to be able to use her and to to love it just as much as as the current you know smaller community we have at mm-hmm. the moment. Um, so definitely throughout the UK is, is a massive focus of ours.
0: Yeah, I sometimes think the label sustainable fashion puts people off a bit because obviously not everyone out there is into fashion, but everyone out there wears clothes. Mm. And buys clothing. Yeah. So I sometimes think that sustainable fashion kind of puts off those people that, that wouldn't say they're like fashionistas or like into fashion.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think sustainable fashion, as a you know a, a trade, you know a, a comment and a and a phrase, is still very much a conversation for the educated elite that are interested in, in such things. I think what's been very badly communicated is that it's incredibly easy to be sustainable. It's buying less stuff. Mm -hmm. not buying things you don't want to wear once not buying anything that you are not going to wear over 30 times buying more on Depop. buying more on ebay buying less fast fashion there are really clear messages that are very easily communicated that i think have been lost in a whole wave of you know guilt and people feeling like I don't know how to be sustainable, so I'm actually not sure where to start, so I'm not going to start. Yeah, That, for me, has been a bit of a shame, and I think that the clearer the messaging can be from now, the better, that anyone, um, it's not a conversation for the privileged that you need to spend £400 on a white T-shirt, that anyone and everyone can do more to be sustainable with their fashion and their consumption, um, and I think that the definitely more work needs to be done on, on clear communication, because I agree, it's, it's mixed messaging, definitely. Yeah,
0: it definitely is. And I think another thing that also puts people off is um, convenience and cost. Like it's very convenient to nip into Zara on a Friday night to get your dress for Saturday. Um, and obviously it's a lot its cheaper than going to some of the higher end um, sustainable fashion brands like Reformation, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think her kind of helps tackle that issue?
1: For us, we want to be as affordable as and as on demand as Fast fashion. So we want it to be as easy for you to rent a dress on her as it is to go to Zara last minute. Panic. Um, Interestingly, our number one reason for signing up is actually holiday wardrobes. Mm. Um, And we found that the time. In you know, in your year of buying fashion, that you really normally turn to fast fashion because I'm sure we've all been there. You've got a holiday in a week and you want to go on ASOS and buy some dresses or whatever it is because you want to feel amazing on holiday. And that's a massive market for us, where people knowing where when our users turn to fast fashion and how we can counteract that. So you can book your outfits up to six months in advance on our platform. So for our more organised lenders that have (laughs) already got their New Year's (laughs) outfits planned. Uh, mid october wow. um <laughs> it's a great way to kind of counteract those last minute fast fashion purges. Um, so, so definitely, I think that we're quite well positioned to, to be an alternative to fast fashion. But I'd also argue that it's actually just as easy to order something from eBay or Depop as it is to go to Zara. Um, I shop everything online anyway. So yeah. whether it comes from, from Depop or a fast fashion retailer, it shouldn't really be that much difference. And buying secondhand is, is more fun anyway.
0: Yeah. Um, I would have thought it would have been weddings that would have been the like big thing. Yeah, by
1: it's really interesting. Yes, obviously, occasions, you know, high days, holidays, weddings, Henley, Ascot, those big events are obviously going to be a huge part of renting. But what we are trying to build is something where you incorporate renting much more into your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you invest in your capsule wardrobe of basics that you wear day in, day out, and you should be able to rent the rest. Um, A large majority of our users do just rent for their everyday office wardrobes. They rent for everyday, they rent for interviews, for date nights, for dinner with friends, for birthdays. So what we're really trying to build is not just... You know very expensive sequin ball gowns that you never wear this is much more for us building your everyday person making them feel a bit better about their their fashion purchases making them feel special in a dress that's still at a price point that they can't justify buying that's really a a massive focus Mm. for ours.
0: so you have a for lenders you have a minimum um value of the dress don't you that they can say dress anything that they can advertise exactly
1: so um in order for it to to meet our criteria it has to be over £150 RRP um, and in excellent condition and generally under two years old with a caveat that we obviously love vintage pieces so they're reviewed on a case by case basis Um, but at that £150 mark um, our our goal as a company and mission is to cut out fast fashion so we don't want Primark dresses also that are built to fail being rented on the site we want pieces that are built to last um, but still at a price point that is too expensive to buy for for the everyday person Um, and if you look at a 150 pound item and you can rent it for say 20 or 30 pounds for a week or a couple of weeks um, that is still as affordable as the high street knockoff
0: yeah especially if it's just going to hang up in your wardrobe not being worn exactly however long um so going back to vintage pieces a lot of vintage pieces aren't um aren't branded or their value is main obviously their value is kind of hard to to tell and obviously their age so how do you assess them and do you encourage them on the site or not?
1: We're doing a massive push towards more vintage pieces at the moment that we have a small collection of vintage pieces and they're renting really well and um, a large part of what we're trying to do I guess is connecting people back to their clothes um, mm. and trying to establish some relationship between the pieces that you wear and the pieces that you just throw away that end up in landfill um, and I think vintage is a really interesting way of doing that and um, people really like pieces with a story behind it and yeah. I guess that's what what vintage is and um, so it's a huge part of our business that we're focusing on at the moment it is more difficult to you know estimate the the value it doesn't need to be exact ultimately uh, um, our lenders set the prices themselves mm-hmm. um but but it's a huge part and i think it's a really interesting it's great also that if you did rent for a wedding you know no one else is going to be wearing the same yeah. thing as
0: you yeah definitely and if it's like a dress from like the 70s or 80s like it stood the test of time already exactly hopefully it's still going to be yeah in good condition yeah yeah is there anything else you would like listeners to know about her or yourself
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's important for us that you know we've we've managed to generate amazing kind of hype and build this amazing pretty limited small community and now we're at a stage where everyone and anyone can join her for us this is very much uh, a uk-wide game for now where everyone can be part of something and um, it's super exciting to to have a really engaged community and i want everyone to know that you know we're now at a stage everyone and anyone can sign up we want to keep building our community we're building uh, a great community of brand ambassadors as well so we're looking really closely at that so um it's really exciting uh from that from that respect as well and i guess ultimately that that the most sustainable item in your wardrobe is the one you already own um mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff we have already have enough clothes in this world it's trying to get everyone that's listening to to think about what's in their wardrobes mm-hmm. and what they can you know donate to charity what they can resell and then the percentage of their wardrobe that they have invested in that just doesn't get enough use and yeah. and knowing that you can monetize that is Is massive and it's a new concept, but but I think we're making good waves in terms of communicating to people that there's money sat there uh, waiting to be made.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a great incentive that you can make money off your wardrobe. Definitely. And some of our users are
1: making hundreds and hundreds of pounds a month renting the stuff that they have lying there. So it's huge.
0: Wow, that's incredible so at the end of every episode i ask my podcast guests what they've seen or read recently that's left them feeling positive and uplifted about the future so this can be like within your business within like the sustainable space or can anything really
1: Uh, For me, I'm a big fan of EcoAge and everything that they do. Um, I think they communicate sustainability in a really clear, slightly less hard-hitting way. Mm -hmm. Um, And everything that they do, I'm a big fan of all of their blog content and their contributors that, that build all of their pieces. And their social media on eco age is really positive there there is a lot of positivity and there's yeah. a lot of disruption and there is so much interesting stuff going on in sustainable fashion and i just wish there was more focus on the solutions rather than the problems um so i'd say head over to eco age and sign up for for their newsletters their social con- content is really engaging it's really interesting and and i think that they clearly communicate to people that don't know much about sustainable fashion or how to be more sustainable in a really easy slightly Hot, less hard-hitting way yeah. um, uh, so i'd say head over to ecoage um, and check them out
0: yeah they put out lots of great content they do yeah um, so where can people find her when can they visit your pop-up
1: So we are launching our pop-up from the 25th of October, which is coming up in a couple of days' time, uh, two days, in fact. Um, And anyone can come in. We're going to be here in about five minutes away from Victoria Station in central London. Um, And we're going to be here for five weeks. But everyone can find us online at www.hercollective.com or on Instagram at her, H-U-R-R.
0: So can anyone just pop in at any time? Is it going to be open like a normal kind of retail store? Normal retail hours, yes. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and congratulations with everything Thank that's happened. Thank you so much. Thanks looking, for having me. Looking forward to seeing what the future holds for you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and share the episode or leave us a review to help other people find my podcast. You can also find out more about Agnes London at agneslondon.com or on social media, just at Agnes London. Thank you. See you next week.